Oh, wow. Listen to us. We sound great. I know, right? It's almost like we have an idea of how to record and edit and finally have decent equipment. Well, if you think we sound good right now, please stick with us or just skip ahead to like episode 30 when we know how to do it and we don't suck as much. Thank you. Enjoy this episode. It should still Uh-oh. be recording. It's showing that it's still recording. Okay. So, oh god, I gotta try not to like click my tongue too much. I was cracking my knuckles while I was waiting for you, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds like I am literally breaking bones nice. on this mic." <laughs> How does my sound? Yeah, pretty close. Well, it sounds like you're like snapping twigs. Welcome to the Strange and Unusual podcast, where we cover all things strange and unusual. Um, we have been lifelong friends. My name is Roya, and this is my friend Casey. Hi. Say hi, Casey. And we have always had a very deep interest in anything spooky, scary, supernatural, metaphysical, uh, true crime, anything like that. And so we finally decided to take all of our interests and sort of condense them down into a podcast and talk about things and investigate things. So the process that we're going to follow, um, at least initially, is going to be going from country to country, and we will be covering either a murder, a myth, or a monster um, for that country. So we are starting off our podcast in the United States, because that seems like, you know, the best place to kind of start off. Um, this That's is the first live. episode... Yeah. Uh, This is the first episode. Neither one of us have ever done anything like this, so I apologize if it sucks, but we're trying and we will more than likely improve. Um, I also apologize if there's any um, animal noises. (laughs) Uh, I'm recording in my living room and I have a few cats and one dog who is elderly and kind of sickly. So I will try to do my best to edit around any of that in the first couple of episodes that we have to record where I'm out in the living room and can't lock all of them out of a room. Um, But without further ado, so I'm going to do the first um, story. And I decided to go with a monster that is local and exclusive to the United States. Um, I picked the Jersey Devil. I actually uh, lived next to New Jersey, but know nothing about the Jersey Devil. Devil. So this will be <laughs> a very uh, interesting thing for me to find out about. The Jersey Devil. <laughs> Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a couple of... It, I found this really fascinating. I've always heard about the Jersey Devil, but I didn't know very much about them. Mm -hmm. And so I was really curious when I started investigating it because it has a story that's like founded in just like a myth, like a legend. And then it also has a story that's founded in like actual American history. 
And I thought oh, that was yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's really it got really interesting. Uh, Benjamin Franklin's involved. <laughs> oh my gosh! So Hard. the original the original like urban legend story of this cryptid, um, the supposed first sighting was in 1735 in South New Jersey and Philadelphia in the Pine Barrens, which is like this giant swamp area. Um, and the description, my notes literally say goofy at looking AF. <laughs> it looks weird in all of the descriptions. So some of the original designs show it more like a Weverin, like the, uh, dragon who has back legs, but then the front legs are wings and not yes. like legs. Um, but the description is it has bat like wings a kangaroo body, a hmm. horse or goat head, horns, tiny arms like a T-Rex, cloven hooves on the back legs, a forked tail, and a blood-curdling scream. That sounds like me on a good day. <laughs> uh, and... So the original legend is that there was a Quaker woman named Mother Leeds, which the an alternate name for the Jersey Devil is also the Leeds Devil. Mm. Um, and so Mother Leeds had 12 children, and when she became pregnant with the 13th, she cursed the baby, claiming that it would be the devil. Um, the child was born normally, looked like a normal baby, and then morphed into the Jersey Devil <laughs> Also, thanks, Roxy, um, morphed into the Jersey Devil, also killing Mother Leeds and tearing all of the midwives from limb to limb, limb from limb. Nice. Uh, which is a pretty brutal infant. That's a pretty rough. It didn't even make it to like the terrible twos. It was just like just... instantly tearing people to pieces. Um, That's why some I accounts of the... to have children. <laughs> Some accounts of the legend have Mother Leeds being a witch and the father was literally the devil. Like, when she went and signed the book in the woods, like, he impregnated her and then she gave birth to his offspring. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of where the sort of legend ends. And then it picks up again with uh, Brian Regal, who's a historian of science at Keene University. Mm -hmm. He thinks that there may have been some amount of slander between Benjamin Franklin and rival almanac publisher Daniel Leeds, resulting in the Leeds family being described by Franklin as, quote, monsters. Daniel Leeds was also a surveyor in Egg Harbor, which is located in the Pine Barrens. So it kind of, you know, gives some credence to the area and where the story sort of came about. You know, I love Benjamin Franklin. I'm a Pennsylvania girl. Ben Franklin was like the guy when I was growing up. Like, you know, when you live somewhere and there's like a famous historical person like from around your area and they're like oh this was the coolest person like we did so much crap oh, yeah. about benjamin franklin and i lived in virginia i got thomas jefferson and george washington oh, I... all the time yep and uh and stonewall jackson oh man 
lemons and bayonets, man. You ever watch Gods and Generals? <laughs> no, I haven't. That's an awful movie. Don't watch it. Um, but Benny Franks, <laughs> man. All I ever remembered about Benny Franks was that he had a lot of sex with French people. And that was- he is also petty as fuck, which you're going to get to see. <laughs> so he petty. is hilariously petty in this story. So anyway, Daniel Leeds was a Quaker and he got ostracized from them like that was hard to do due to his pagan use of astrological symbols in his almanac. Hmm. Um, so he started using like star signs and um, constellations and different things like that. He was also really interested in something I, I didn't take the time to look it up, but I was really curious about it. Maybe you have any insight. Christian occultism? You mean like uh, like what Hitler did? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't have a chance to look into it, but I was just kind of confused because those did not seem like two things that went together. No, I, that, um, that seems kind of opposite. Yeah, but he was, so he started exploring Christian occultism, mysticism, demonology, and natural magic, among a lot of other pagan, quote, beliefs at the time. And so that caused him to get ostracized by the Quakers because, obviously... Um, and at the time, he was also a loyalist, which put him at odds with Benjamin Franklin and a lot of the other people in the area in the 1730s and getting up there, you know, closer to the revolution and the breakdown of the relationship between England and the United States. Well, the colonies. But um, so Frank- Benjamin Franklin was actually like really bitter rivals with titan leads which was um daniel leads eldest son Hmm. and so um yeah which titan i thought was a really interesting name that i'm not you don't hear about a lot and so like i thought that was a really interesting name decision too benjamin franklin and titan leads had directly competing almanacs between the leads almanac and uh poor richard's almanac to the point that they were competing with one another, they were also mocking one another in their almanacs. Benjamin Franklin predicted Titan Leeds' death in his almanac, and then when Titan Leeds didn't die, he like during that time, Benjamin Franklin was asked about that and said basically that Titan Leeds was literally ghostwriting his almanac because he was dead. And everyone was just seeing a ghost. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is where I get it from, people. <laughs> Me and my Pennsylvania roots. <laughs> and then, after Titan Leeds actually died, Benjamin Franklin had no chill and continued saying that Franklin or that Titan Leeds was continuing to ghostwrite the almanac from beyond. <laughs> that is. I, you know what? You haven't made me like Benjamin Franklin less. So I know. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. I thought it was so funny when I was reading it and I was just like, I wish I could just write something and like predict someone's death and then just be like, oh no, I know you can see them, but they're definitely dead. Like they're, they're just a ghost. They're a really believable ghost. Totally. Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't even. 
Um, yeah, and Titan Lee died in 1738, and so some think that this gossip between Franklin and the Leeds family may have led to the idea of the Leeds Devil that was later known as the Jersey Devil. Also further kind of backing this story, the Leeds family's crest is on all the almanacs that it released, and it looks a lot like the descriptions of the Jersey Devil. Like, it looks like a kind of horse wevern, snake tail, cloven hooved monster. Um, which is another thing that kind of the Quakers didn't appreciate much because they didn't like the representation on all of the almanacs that, like, looked like a, de- a devil. And so that just further ostracized the family from the Quakers and everything. You know, like I said, like, that was hard to do. Yeah. You know, if you sneezed wrong, you could get ostracized from the Quakers. Like, It's true. <laughs> so in 1859 was the first reported sighting to appear in a local newspaper, Atlantic Monthly. And the creature was described as having like this crazy, scary shriek dogs and the man who said it saw it said that it was no bird or animal in the area that he had ever heard and he was a hunter and that the area's best marksmen and dogs hunted it but the creature could not be killed um he went on to state that the creature was used as a boogeyman of sorts to frighten children especially because the the pine barrens were pretty freaking dangerous all the way from, like, the 1700s up until the, you know, mid to late 1800s. It was a really dangerous area full of, basically, like, anyone who was trying to hide went to the Pine Barrens. So, yeah, so, like, escaped slaves went to the Pine Barrens. Um, uh, Disenfranchised Native Americans who had nowhere else to go ran to the Pine Barrens. Um, Outlaws, criminals, anyone that wanted to hide. And so it became really dangerous on top of also being just a swamp that's never, you know, the safest place to be anyway. So they used the Leeds Devil, the Jersey Devil, as sort of a way to try to keep kids from going into the Pine Barrens. Because, you know, it's easier for kids to understand that there's a monster there than there are bad people. Right. Getting into some of the encounters, some some of the further encounters beyond just that person who saw it. Hanover Mill Works, um, Commodore Stephen Decatur observed a giant flying creature and literally shot a cannonball at it, directly hitting it, and there was no effect. Yeah, it seemed like a little bit of overkill, but maybe it's a lot bigger than images I've seen are depicting it. <laughs> but a cannonball seemed a little bit overkill to me, but, you know. Well, it's like... I could be... <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is this is my thing. That seems like it takes a lot of time to, like, aim. So that Jersey Devil had to be staying still for a long ass time in order for a guy to like prepare a cannon and shoot it and hit it dead on. Or yeah, or it was just one of those like his met moments where it was just like lined up perfectly. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know. And then, and then how did, how does it, how do you mean it didn't have any effect? Like physics didn't happen? Like, object like it didn't hurt it. it. Yeah. It didn't hurt it. It didn't kill it. It didn't do anything to it. It just like bounced But off. he did confirm. Yeah. He did confirm that he shot it directly and it had no effect. Interesting. Marksmen and stuff that were hunting it that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. They shot at it and it just like shrugged off the bullets like it didn't even seem affected by them um, okay, from like, what I was reading it was just bullets I can see being like ping whatever but a cannonball <laughs> but a cannonball like Newton is rolling over in his grave the, oh this is where I started calling the Jersey Devil JD in my notes because it was oh. getting too long to write it every time I'm just gonna picture the guy from Scrubs now yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just like the whole description, except instead of a horse head, it just has yeah, it just has his head. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to do an edit one more time. You're cutting out a little bit there. Oh, I said uh, okay. I'm ready. I've got the mental image. Let's go. <laughs> so one of the more notable people that claimed to have seen uh, the Jersey Devil was Joseph Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte's older brother, who was also a former king of Spain, he claimed to see the Jersey Devil while hunting in 1820. During 1840, multiple livestock deaths were blamed on the Jersey Devil. And in 1841, there were more reported tracks and sounds of shrieking in the forest. In 1909, papers claimed that the Jersey Devil had attacked two trolley cars full of people. There were unknown footprints in the snow, and groups and groups of hunters and vigilante groups started searching for the Jersey Devil, but there were no official claims on a capture or a kill, which there have been corpses and things that have shown up that people are saying, like, oh, this is the Jersey Devil, but it's nothing that's been confirmed. And those have been happening since 1925 to 1960. People claiming to find corpses of unknown animals, saying it's the Jersey Devil, and nothing really ever comes of it. Hmm. Twice in history, um, there have been rewards offered, both times of $10,000. In 1960... Oh my god, Roxy. (laughs) Roxy's like, let me tell you what I think. In 1960, there were some merchants in the area that offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey Devil and offered to to build it a private zoo. And then later, the Philadelphia Zoo also posted a $10,000 reward for the capture, which resulted in, this is one of my favorite, it resulted in a variety of hoaxes. Nice. People just like bringing animals and saying, "Oh, this is a like here's this cat. It's a Jersey Devil." Like it's the Anastasia but, of the Jersey Devil. <laughs> but my favorite is that someone just showed up with a kangaroo that had like bat wings on it, love it, and then had claws like on its little paws on the front. And I can only imagine that like the bat wings are like held on with a harness. Like, yeah. The- buckled in the front also (laughs) what kangaroo didn't just punch that guy in the face right i mean there's no real detail i wish there had been a picture or something of it because man i would have loved to have seen that 
the Pine Barrens are also seen as being super duper haunted because, you know, just all of the bad people that were there, all of the turmoil that was there, all of the potential deaths, unknown deaths that were there. But most notably, the Jersey Devil was bros with Captain Kidd's ghost. Whoa! And you can, like, see them, supposedly. Well, he was friends with Captain Kidd. And then when Captain Kidd died and started haunting the Pine Barrens, you can, they have been seen together just, like, chilling. Just straight chilling. <laughs> I love it. I don't um, know, like, what did they decide to become friends about? Like, what was, what was their common bond? I mean, I guess the Pine Barrens, that's the only thing that I could really think of. Maybe the Jersey Devil is protecting Captain Kidd's treasure. Oh. Scandalous. <laughs> I love it. People have also claimed that chickens were being slaughtered at an extremely high rate with no reason. Like, they couldn't find tra- like wolf tracks or fox tracks or anything around. But just, like, a bunch of chickens would just be dead. Um, with no clear reason a local woman found the beast trying to attack and eat her dog and the woman beat the animal with a broom until it flew away a cannonball does nothing but a woman with a broom that's like the achilles of the in 1927 a cab driver allegedly encountered the jersey devil while stopping to change a tire He reported that the winged creature was, like, pounding and attacking the roof of the car while he was inside of it. Okay. Which sounds like a nightmare. Like, that just sounds like the worst possible scenario to have something just, like, attacking the roof of your car while you have a flat tire. And, like, can't get away. I mean, you you could get away. It It wouldn't be good for your car. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, if a cannonball does nothing, I don't imagine driving at 25 miles per hour with a crappy wheel is going to do a whole lot to get that thing off your roof. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. That's probably a pretty shitty situation. A resident also told a story that she was out on Green Tree Road, which I guess is a notable road in the area, uh, when she saw a towering figure cross the road behind her car. And she described it as being taller than a man with thick back legs like a goat and a huge woolly head. And there are birds on my balcony, so one of my cats is probably about to hurl themselves into the glass. Okay, I'll be prepared. (laughs) Looks like it's going to be Jaja. She is in attack mode. Normally, she's smart enough to not launch herself into the window. Vankman will, though. Vankman will just headlong into the glass every time. This was one that I thought was really interesting that got me on, like, a investigative spree on, okay, what what is the, like, how hard would it be for a creature to do this? So, forest rangers have reported strange and unexplain- unexplainable animal deaths. Most notably, an entire pack of wild pigs had been killed. And so I was curious, because I know that wild pigs and wild boars are hard to kill. Mm-hmm. Because Oklahoma, where I live, has a big problem with them in rural areas. Mm-hmm. where And they'll just destroy everything. They'll just break fences. They're just a big nuisance. And so I know that they're hard to kill. And they're big. And so I was like, how hard would it be to kill an entire pack? 
mm-hmm. of pigs. And so I found out that a pack of pigs is called a sounder. Okay. Um, for a reference of size, it is made up of up to 15 females, their young, and at least one mature male. Um, so we're looking at like 16 plus pigs. Okay. That all weigh up to 200 pounds. Nice. Their, their bites can break bones and they can run up to 30 miles per hour. So this is what the forest ranger found. The forest ranger reported that the pigs had been killed by the back of their heads being ripped open and their brains eaten. They had also been scratched and torn up. And on top of all of this, oh, there goes the cat into the window. And on top of all of this, there was no blood found around the carcasses and no tracks. So here's my question. You said that there were a lot of wild boar in Oklahoma. Is that a species that is found in New Jersey? Well, wild pigs. So they're similar but different. Okay. But still, like, 200-pound animals that can run up to 30 miles an hour. And there's 15 to, you know, up to 15 females, one male, and then all of the the babies. However many that is. And all of them, like, the entire sounder had been killed the same way fascinating yeah that was one of the ones that i was like okay i have to know how hard it is to kill a pig kill 16 pigs yeah yeah and then to kill 16 of them and then to kill them by cutting their head open and just eating their brains like okay yeah so i was like that was really interesting to me the Jersey Devil has also been accused of almost causing an accident when three cars had to slam on their brakes to allow a 10-foot-tall Jersey Devil-like figure after it emerged from a wooded area to cross the street. It galloped out in front of traffic, and they described it as having a long head, short, flat ears, and it disappeared into the woods on the other side of the street. And it was around a shopping center, so there are a lot of jokes about how it needed to go do its outlet shopping that I found online. That is just ballsy. He's like going shopping, getting in everybody's way. Okay, and then I just sent you a picture. Okay. A photo of the Jersey Devil. Ooh, that looks like a goat. Yeah, that looks like a goat that's flying i will be putting this i'll be putting this on the instagram if there is anyone that wants to look at the photo um there's also a short video on youtube of someone who proclaims multiple times that it's not a hoax uh, which makes me think that it's probably a hoax hoax. of this like goat-like figure flying past her like in at night like in a light okay but there's not, you know, there's not, like, footage like there is of Bigfoot where it's, like, you know, you can, it's kind of unexplainable. It has all of the right things to be what people are saying it is. It's never been replicated exactly. Like, there's nothing like that for the Jersey Devil. Right. And I just think that that photo is kind of hilarious because it just looks like they took a black goat uh-huh. and just photoshopped it into the sky. Yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. (laughs) That's really funny. 
1993, another forest ranger reported seeing a strange creature in the middle of the road. He described it as being over six foot tall with thick matted fur and horns like a devil. Unfortunately, this was, you know, in 93 and in the before times of smartphones. And even though the ranger and the creature maintained eye contact for several minutes, there's no way for him to have captured any evidence. And then after the staring contest, the creature just ran into the woods and ran off again. Okay. That's weird, having a staring contest with your local With cryptid. a cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> Not something I would look forward to myself. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the Jersey Devil has, like, hurt any people based on what maybe he we've read so far. Maybe he just wants what? A friend. <laughs> he was like, let me stare deeply into your eyes and... Maybe we'll become friends or lovers. <laughs> oh my god, that's just the cover of World Weekly News. It's like <laughs> I met the Jersey Devil in the woods, and we're getting married on Sunday. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like that lady that got married to the ghost pirate. <laughs> yeah. They got divorced. Well, I'm... Oh, they did. They... I didn't know. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yes, they did. We'll get to that episode. Oh, okay. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so as recently as 2015, uh, Little Egg Harbor's in, in Little Egg Harbor, uh, someone saw what he thought was a llama walking on the side of the road until it spread wings and flew away. Oh, beautiful. Um, in the 1990s, a man named Harry Leeds, who claims to be a descendant of Daniel and, quote, Mother Leeds, um, has stated that he has also seen the Jersey Devil looking back at him with piercing red eyes. And it's kind of alluded to that, like, it's he didn't feel it was intimidating, like it was someone who he should have known, sort of thing. Well, it was his great 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 uncle or something, right? Potentially. Yeah. One encounter involved a 13 year old camper who was camping alone in the Pine Barrens, like, where are your parents? <laughs> Why are you being allowed to do that? I don't have a year, so maybe it was like, you know, the 60s or 70s when, like, this kind of thing happened. You can't tell me but... what to do. <laughs> yeah. And so he... Also, he, like, didn't have food. Like, he was camping. Like, he was, like, hardcore camping. Like, he was hunting for meat mm. to, like, cook. And then he felt followed. And when he went to bed, he heard a loud footfall outside of his tent and a screech that he said sounded as loud as a truck horn like a semi it screeched multiple times before leaving and he found no evidence of anything in the morning and then after that was terrified of sleeping in tents <laughs> well yes because he couldn't see anything he could just hear it and you know like laying there and feeling like well this is how i die and so after that, he didn't ever want to camp in tents again. <laughs> he wanted to just camp out in the open. Okay. And so this is where it kind of winds down. There's actually not a ton of, like, I couldn't find a ton of personal experiences with the Jersey Devil. I would be super interested in hearing any more, especially if anyone listening on your side or my side or anywhere had um, 
any experiences that they had, uh, we'll give an email out at the end of the episode to kind of try to gather um, any listener stories or any, you know, I fell in love with a cryptid and then he dumped me, like, please, please send me those. I want to read them. (laughs) But so the, one of the most believable ideas about the Jersey Devil is that there are several scientists in the area who theorize that the Jersey Devil could be the Sandy Hill Crane, which is a large local bird to the area. It has an eight-foot wingspan and is extremely aggressive if it's threatened. So, like, if it's cornered, if you come up around its babies, like, anything like that, it is really, really aggressive. And it also has a very unusual, I wasn't sure how to, what the correct word was, but like a peculiar gait to its flight pattern. Okay. And so it has like a really wobbly, like uneven sort of flight that a lot of people think um, if you saw it, it would look like something that probably shouldn't be flying. Like if you can imagine like an ostrich flying. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just something that doesn't look like it should be able to because it's kind of oddly shaped. And so a lot of people or some people think that that flight pattern could cause people to be like, well, that's clearly something that is different and I've never seen before because it's not flying in a straight line like a lot of birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh, some people are saying that that in and of itself has caused some people to say like that has to be something unexplainable because they've never seen it before so that's one of the possible like actual animal causations for the jersey devil Mm -hmm. but i just thought it was fascinating to see all of the history with like it actually being embedded in colonial american history yeah. And that, you know, Benjamin Franklin got involved and kind of caused, potentially caused all of this to start being a thing. Yeah. Like good. on, on accident. Good old, good old <laughs> Benny Franks. Oh boy. That sounds about right. All right. So now it is Casey's side. All right. Uh, so that was the Jersey Devil. Very exciting stuff. I'm going to start by sending you a photo. Um, oh, starting with a photo. Okay. Beautiful young woman that we are going to be talking about. Um, I have chosen to do an urban legend, which actually takes place in the state of Texas. Roya, uh huh. Humor me for a moment. Okay. Also, I would. Just, just to, um, just to put this out there, I would personally like to thank Zach Braff for uh, playing the Jersey Devil in that story. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna get a, he's gonna get a daytime Emmy award. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to Photoshop that. I'm gonna have to make that happen. <laughs> so you like candy? I do like candy. You like like your fruity gummy candies, right? Not so much the chocolate. Yeah yeah okay so imagine you wake up one day you're sitting on you're sitting in your bed you just woke up and you look over at your window and there's a big bag of gummy sloths or something you know that's a thing yeah you sent me some you know that's the thing yeah 
Okay. Yeah. Got it. So you're really excited, right? Yeah. What a very I'm probably, nice. I'm probably questioning where it came from and then just assuming that Jari put them there and then right. eating them without hesitation. So what a nice surprise. You're who's giving me such a nice gift. You might ask yourself. And you keep receiving this kind of gift for the next couple of days. You go to bed, you wake up, more candy, and then there's a note. In the one article I read, they said that she was 28 at the time that he was 41. So that's, what, 13 years difference? Yeah, don't ask me to do math. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> they had one child, uh, a daughter named Marcella, and she was allegedly killed in 1893 in a farming incident. Uh -oh. It says, come play with me, signed the candy lady. Oh, hell no. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to take the, the nope's train to fuck that, though. <laughs> so not, not your cup of tea then, huh? Uh, no, I don't want a strange, like, that just brings up so many, like, come play with us, Danny. Right. Like, <laughs> so many Shining references that I don't feel like I could, like, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't probably, like, go to the police about it, nope. but I definitely would stop eating the candy. <laughs> Okay, well, so the legend begins um, from, uh, well, it seems to come from a town in northern Texas called Terrell or Terrell. I'm probably messing that up, so I apologize. I think it's Terrell. Terrell. It's T-E-R-R-I-L-L, -L, so I didn't know. But um, that's not too far from Dallas. Uh, it starts with a woman named Clara Crane. She was Supposedly born in 1871, and there's not a whole lot known about her, but the story goes that she married Leonard Gilbert Crane, and in every version of the story that I found, he was notably older than her, and so she, she died uh, in this incident, and uh, Clara becomes devastated and withdrawn and despondent. In 1895, she is, Clara blamed her husband, Leonard, who was allegedly drinking at the time because that's cool just you know getting buzzed while you're out farming with all the equipment and your daughter's just chilling there uh, to the point where she murders her husband poisoning candy that she feeds him many of the stories i read said it was like caramels so i guess it's pretty easy to hide because it's just burnt yeah sugar. probably i mean especially if she was like making it at home which she probably was right. and it would be easy to just blend it in and yeah who's gonna know yeah, just, I mean, there. yeah, well, 1800s and women poisoning people. It's like. So she's tried and convicted of this murder. It's the a thing to do. It's a solid plan. It's a solid strategy. It's really a shame they stopped making rat poison that way. <laughs> <laughs> and she's found to be suffering from mania, grief, and insanity. Our, uh, and she's committed to the North Texas Lunatic Asylum. Oh, to live in a time where you could just be like, oh, you're just a mania? You're just a woman. Just, That's fine. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're, you've got your period. You're yep. crazy. Like, go live in this hole. Um, <laughs> in 1896, uh, she's in the asylum. And one of the doctors notes that she has made a doll from old bed sheets. And it's hidden under her bed. The other patients 
claiming that she will stay up at night and sing and talk to this doll and that she calls it Marcy. So she's a little crazy uh, singing to her. Was, the, was that the name of her daughter? Her daughter was Marcella. So yes. Okay. Yeah. Like a nickname. Yeah. There is a letter that I found on several of the websites that I was reading about that is supposed to be to Clara's sister, Aggie says, dearest Aggie, I am elated. I have been informed by Dr. Matthews that Marcy and I will be returning home in less than three weeks. As you can imagine, Marcy can barely contain her excitement. Every night she asks, is tomorrow the day we go home, mother? Very soon I will be able to tell her yes. Our stay here has been somewhat of a trial, though I have been grateful to the good doctor and his staff in their dedication to our treatment and recovery. Leonard's death had put us in such a severe state of melancholy that I feared we would never escape it. These past few years have been more difficult than any time in my life. And my dear Marcella, after all that she has had to endure, has become my strength, my flame of hope. That sounds like just cripplingly sad at how optimistic that is. I know. But knowing what all has actually happened and then you're like, oh, oh, you are actually you know, going through some sort of a breakdown. Yep. Uh, here's, here's the kicker. In 1899, she's released from the hospital due to overcrowding. Uh, they described her as having been charming and soft-spoken. So despite the murder charge, they thought she was a good candidate for release. So that's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been listening to some other podcasts and, like, when they cover different um insane asylums and stuff and they're just like yeah and then they just decided to just release everybody regardless of what they did or what was wrong with them and then they just like turned them all over and i'm like that's probably not a great idea but i mean do what you gotta do i guess like uh so around 1903 Uh oh children near clara's hometown start going missing The parents of the children start asking questions, come to find out these kids are waking up, finding candy on their windowsills, and being invited out to play by the candy lady, as we described earlier. And up until this point, everything seems fairly plausible. Like, you feel like, oh, this is is gonna be real, right? This person could exist. But this is where we really cross into urban legend territory. Um, And the children uh, are said to be going missing every few days. But, you know, it's probably, like, old-timey candy, like honey sticks and peppermints and sarsaparilla, Werther's Originals. <laughs> it's not, like, good candy. Kids aren't getting Reese's peanut butter cups or nothing. And they didn't want to tell their parents about it because they thought they'd get in trouble because kids aren't allowed to have fun in the 1800s. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so they get this candy, and they're like, oh, shit, I'm going to have this under my bed. God, can't tell anybody about this. A local farmer discovers what looks like human teeth on his property, uh, surrounded by candy robbers. Well, you know, standard, casual. These uh, kids are going missing. Parents are asking their kids what's going on, and it comes to light. All the stuff that's happening. A sheriff or sheriff's deputy, depending on the story, uh, decides to investigate and figure out what's going on tries to you know suss out the situation in some stories he's found in a ditch with forks in his eyes forks forks in other like stories to eat his, with? yeah 
Oh, Jesus. Not, not a pitchfork. That would be a little. Yeah, this little, just tiny pitchforks. <laughs> I mean, that's basically a fork. A fair, but I mean, I'm imagining like wooden handle, like smaller prongs, you know. So, but yeah, um, that's still, that's still pretty creepy. That's some pretty creepy imagery. Uh, in other stories, his eyes are just gouged out entirely. I mean, that's better, I guess. Right. Um, with candy stuffed into his mouth and pockets and a note that says, stop looking for me. I mean, I think he did. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Yes. That, um, that is a way to get someone to stop looking for you. And, uh, and actually, in some stories, it's not a sheriff's deputy at all. It's a little kid. It's a little boy. Oh, um, good. So, yeah. So that's kind of the the idea is that older people of this northern Texas area still discuss this as a cautionary tale. This could very well, very well, very well be where the don't take candy from strangers idiom oh, comes yeah. from. I don't know. Um, but as I started digging, I was like, did this? woman actually exist and so i started looking up clara crane leonard gilbert crane uh ancestry find a grave all these different websites and i couldn't find anything where in which this story actually happened well and crane is one of those names that i always associate with like like fictional villains like ichabod crane you know like it's (laughs) It's like a, I don't know, almost like a story in and of itself. Like, I've never met someone. I'm sure that there are people out there whose last name is Crane. But, like, I can't say that I have ever met a Crane. Fraser Crane is not a villain. Miles Crane. Well, is. yeah, but still, still a fictional character. <laughs> um, so I looked on Find a Grave. I found several Clara Cranes, but none of them near Texas. I found a single Leonard Gilbert Crane. Uh, I think it was in somewhere in the United Kingdom. So that was kind of where that went. Didn't find a whole lot there. Uh, I also looked on Ancestry and it was a lot of the same people that were on the graves. So there's Hmm. that. I looked into the North Texas Lunatic Asylum. It is a real hospital. Um, It has since been changed in the name. I was like, I mean, I know I know Texas can sometimes be a little backwards, but I hope that they changed it from lunatic asylum. <laughs> uh, so it's Terrell State Hospital or something like that. Uh, but that's, I don't. So I don't know what the HIPAA laws are for calling a state hospital and saying, "Hey, can I get your records from anybody with the last name of Crane from 1890 to 1900?" You know, I don't know how that works. So. I didn't feel comfortable making that phone call, but I did ask my husband. He works um, at a mental hospital. Um, you know, like what are the aftercare sort of things that happen now? Um, mm-hmm. Because oftentimes now you have somebody, they're community volunteers, or there are people who check in with you after you leave the hospital to make sure you're staying on your medication and staying you know, put and you're not out homeless somewhere. So, you know, it's just a huge difference within a hundred years of mental health treatment. Oh yeah. Um, it's incredible. 
Like, the yeah. amount of difference between even, like, the 80s and now. Like, yeah. it's it's insane. So I, I was looking, there was a um, supposed newspaper article that I could not verify. It doesn't list where it's from, like, what newspaper it's from. It doesn't list um, a date or anything. Let me see. It says, Clara Crane, 28 years old, was earned... In the Haddock Street Courthouse Wednesday morning, Mrs. Crane is suspected by Ellis County sheriffs of murdering her husband, Leonard Gilbert Crane, 41 years old, by poisoning on Friday. The sheriffs allege that the Crane woman poisoned caramels that were then consumed by her husband. The day after his death, a neighbor had come by the Crane house and found Mrs. Crane attempting to build a large fire next to the house in a shaken and frenzied state. When the sheriff deputy Fred Springer arrived at the residence, Mrs. Crane became physically aggressive and was restrained and taken into custody. The sheriff department would not comment on the possibility that Mrs. Crane might have had the intention of burning down the residence. The Cranes have resided for nine years in Flint, a small farming community of West Ellis County. Two years ago, they suffered the death of their only daughter, five-year-old Marcella Crane. The incident was deemed an accident by investigators with no suspicion of either the Crane's involvement. Mrs. Crane faces charges of murder in the first degree. She's facing life sentence, though some allege that she may be suffering from mania. This possibility could mean leniency in sentencing commitment to an asylum. Mrs. Crane will be kept at Ellis County Prison Facility while she waits trial, which will likely be scheduled for July. So uh, with that information, I looked up Fred Springer, the sheriff. I didn't find anything there either. So and I, the funny thing is, Terrell or Terrell or whatever isn't actually in Ellis County. It's in Kaufman County is right next to Ellis County but they were founded the, the counties were founded in the same year I think it was 1848 so it wasn't like they would have been you know confused because it would have been very clearly Terrell is here and in in Kaufman County whereas in Ellis County there, there is no Terrell Texas yeah so that was interesting but I couldn't find any arrest warrants or anything like that and I kind of figured that would be something I could find but and I did um backward image searches for uh-huh. both the article and for her photo and it all just led me to stuff like Texas ghost tours <laughs> it wasn't anything substantial so whether or not this is an actual story that actually happened is you know remains to be seen but the the story of the candy lady persist to this day I actually found a blog of a woman also investigating this um, who said her grandmother basically refused to talk to her about it yeah and I feel like whenever someone is like that adamant Mm -hmm. where it's like we really like that person really probably believes or has experienced something with it to get them to the point where they're like I'm not gonna talk about it this is not something I feel comfortable talking about I don't want to think about it. I'm trying to block it out of memory, you know, like that kind of stuff that starts lending more to like that person has a personal experience, whether it is, you know, like directly actually a thing that happened or just something that was perceived as a childhood incident. 
Uh, well, one of the things that she says is that her mother told her later that a kid her age when she was young went missing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. someone who she had known in the neighborhood or something like that, you know, to go missing. And then it starts the story. Like, that's how urban legends work. I was thinking about it and I was like, for someone to be that adamant that, like, I'm not going to talk to you about it means that that person has had some amount of a personal experience or believes that like you know words have power and they don't want to like empower that idea um so depending on that grandmother's you know like belief system that could be part of it too yeah and i can i can link her blog if anybody is interested but um, but i just thought it was super fascinating that somebody was like i live in northern texas and i asked my grandmother what she knew about this and she won't talk to me about it so (laughs) so yeah i don't know uh whether or not that newspaper article is real i don't like i said i feel like it would have a date or something on it or it would say you know north texas gazette or you know whatever the case may be um but there there wasn't any resource for me to to find that um and that was basically it yeah and we're gonna have a lot of that yeah we're gonna have a lot of that come up with the especially the myths and monsters like the murder stuff normally will be pretty well documented and everything but you also have to keep in mind that that's a case from the 1800s you know that's a case from like just land rush time when they were doing Mm -hmm. all of that and so the likelihood i mean just look at how undocumented like another case that i'm sure I'll cover in the future for a murder case like the Bloody Benders how much of that case isn't actually like we don't have definitive answers or proof or anything because that's just not something that they were capable of the time and it was such a you know lawless time period for anything you know west of the Mississippi especially until you started getting out to you know, more populated areas in, like, California and things like that where the gold rush was happening. Not that there wasn't also a bunch of crime and horrible things happening there, too. But, you know, there wasn't exactly printing presses and readily available things at the time, you know, in Texas and the surrounding areas. Well, and and the the photo we can put up on our, our grams... Uh, if anybody can tell me if that is literally just a photo that somebody at, you know, Texas ghost tours took a picture of a woman <laughs> in an outfit, that would be great. I feel like everybody's spreading it as this is her. This is what she looked like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the picture you sent me looks like it looks pretty legit. Like if it is an edit right. for, um, you know, like a modern outfit, modern photograph. If it is an edit, it's a really good one. But, I mean, it does look like it could be a legit picture from that time period, whether or not it's an actual picture of the person who is the candy lady. Right. You know, we'll never, or, or uh, Mrs. Crane, even. We'll probably never know. It is interesting. Like, I, I had never heard of that story before, so that was a really interesting turn of events and something that I'm actually kind of curious about, too, because it's not too far away from where I am. Northeastern right. Oklahoma. Well, that's why I was like, oh, I wonder if Rice ever heard this story. No, not to my knowledge. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. I can't even think of something similar aside from like the Candyman 
you know, urban legend of the the poison candy at Halloween. Right. But, um, you know, which is actually kind of founded in an actual thing that happened, unfortunately. Yeah, aside from that, I don't, yeah, I wasn't familiar with it at all. So that was a really good one. Well, thank you. Well, like a lot of my time, though, like I said, was spent on just trying to uncover whether or not that, like where that was founded and and if there was any kind of evidence, which I love findagrave.com because that's where I find graves. (laughs) I just thought this will be great if there's a Leonard Gilbert, he was probably buried right there in Texas and I couldn't find a a Leonard Gilbert crane or a Leonard crane for that matter. Well, and you know, honestly, like that's one of those things that you're looking at the 1800s, you're looking at a farmer, he could have been buried on his own property, you know, unofficially marked. We've got so many. I mean, I've gone to one that um, it's like a private little tiny cemetery. There's like a a ghost story house that a friend of mine and I tried to find one time. And they have like a little tiny private cemetery that's fenced off. But yeah. then if you go like 30 feet to the right of it, you can find just stone crosses in the ground that are unmarked they don't have names on them or anything and so it's entirely possible or that Mm -hmm. it's just you know the the names have just been lost to time as far as the grave markers and things like that if they were even marked it could just be fake as shit yeah it could be so but an interesting story nonetheless i had a lot of fun looking into that yeah it was it was definitely interesting um and definitely like yeah as soon as i got that note that was like come play with me the candy (laughs) lady i'm like "Mm, no (laughs) thanks but no (laughs) i'm gonna just (laughs) oh no i'm gonna that candy is getting thrown the fuck away (laughs) i am not at that point when it's like not you know my significant other or you know something like that a friend of mine leaving candy at my house that I haven't found yet or something like that. The second that I get that ominous message, I am not eating any of that candy that mysteriously appears on my windowsill ever, ever, ever again. I think that'll be a really funny way for me to come visit you as I'll tell Jari to start putting candy on the window. (laughs) 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 Be a surprise. (laughs) Come pick me up at the airport. <laughs> the candy lady. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's what I've got. I hope it was fun for you and me. Hey, as long as it's fun for us, you know, whatever. We'll keep doing it. And if other people want to listen and enjoy it, then other people can listen and enjoy. But as long as we're having fun with it, that's what matters. Oh, there we go. So I have a couple of plugs. So we've got, um, you can email us at strangeunusualpodcast at gmail.com. Send us listener stories. Send us, you know, personal experiences you've had with true crime, you know, myths, monsters. Have you met a cryptid on the street? You know, like anything like that. Because We're really interested in doing like a listener story episode once a month, maybe, and just reading um, different stories and seeing different people's experiences, especially because it'll be pretty fun. We won't have a bunch of research back into it, so we won't really know what's coming up. So I think that it would be a lot of fun to get some 
really earnest reactions from not knowing. Also, um, just a small disclaimer here. Uh, we don't know what the other person is actually doing until we start recording. So Casey did not know that I was going to do the Jersey Devil, and I did not know that Casey was going to be doing the Candy Lady. And we're going to continue that way because I think it's more interesting to have, you know, no opportunity for one of us to kind of research and try to figure out, you know, the secrets or the ins and outs of the case or anything like that. Now, of course, some of the true crime things that we're going to be talking about, you know, are more common knowledge. I'm sure that Casey is going to know about some of them. I'm sure that I will know about some of them because we both enjoy true crime. But as far as what we're actually covering, we won't really know um, until we're actually recording. So strangeunusualpodcasts at gmail.com. Um, for any kind of listener stories, feedback, props, you want to just tell us, you know, you enjoyed the podcast and, you know, it was fun, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have an Instagram. It's got a whopping one post <laughs> of just the, just the logo. And that is strange underscore unusual underscore podcast. And we will be going on there and posting um, some of the pictures from the cases we're doing, some information about, you know, what we're covering, maybe some teasers of future things that we're going to be covering, um, maybe even personal pictures or, you know, pictures of our animals. Who knows? Who knows what could end up on this Instagram? Realistically, <laughs> anything. Um, and then if you wanted to follow my personal Instagram is Roya, R-O-Y-A, Rampage on instagram um i just post a lot of japanese fashion and art stuff so if you're interested feel free to check it out i don't know casey if you want to plug your instagram or anything it's just calamity casey c-a-s-e-y and it's mostly cat pictures and D, D stuff and vampire the masquerade and vampire the masquerade uh <laughs> i will probably make a lot of world of darkness references as we continue on with some of the creepy stuff well i mean i think that that's kind of par for the course um what do you want we're a couple of goth kids just sitting here talking about stuff <laughs> talking about creepy stuff right oh there's roxy shaking in the background <laughs> Okay, well, that concludes episode number one, uh, The Jersey Devil and the Candy Woman of North Texas. Candy Lady. Um, candy Lady. Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me make sure that I... The Jersey Devil and the Candy Lady of North Texas. Um, and then the next episode will be coming out, and we're actually going to be staying in North America and heading up north to Canada. So oh, I hope eh? you... <laughs> All the maple syrup and Mounties and mm. maple leaves and other Canadian cliches. Hockey. <laughs> A boot. A uh, so we will be covering um, some interesting cases in Canada before we start our trek around the globe for different cases in different countries. Thank you so much for listening and we hope that you will continue to uh, I don't know how to end this. How do we end this? Bye! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Works for me. 